0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. A question that's been coming up a lot lately in... Uh, conversations with people is uh, how equanimity might be possible with the confusion the hatred the divisiveness that is surrounding us and so I thought I'd offer some reflections on this on equanimity Uh, first, uh, just reflecting about the quality itself. The term often is translated, the term upeka is the Pali term, upekka. Um, it's often translated as equanimity, um, meaning balance of mind. And different flavors of, of uh, equanimity can be understood as. Uh, balance of mind non-reactivity to what is happening um, uh, not, a, not a conflict around whether things are pleasant unpleasant or neutral um, spaciousness could have a quality of spaciousness in the mind and the heart um, acceptance Allowing. These are words that are often used around equanimity. (coughs) Joseph Goldstein has offered the word impartiality. That we are not for or against. Not siding with anything. It's not. Well, some of the things it's not is indifference. Indifference. Or apathy it's not non reactivity doesn't imply not caring that's an interesting thing to reflect on because sometimes we do have that that perspective and and we may it may come at us from others that if we're exhibiting a kind of a balance of mind in a very conflictu- a very challenging situation, there may be a, 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 an accusation of, well, you don't care. Or we may feel like, if I am non-reactive, it means I don't care. And that's not. That's not the quality of equanimity. The quality of equanimity is really a heart that, uh, kind of a way I like to explore it is... Um, reflecting on the fact that whatever is happening whatever is happening in the world whatever is happening right now whatever is happening in our hearts and our minds whatever is happening in our culture and society the world at large there are conditions that have put that event these events, this situation into place Those conditions, there's a very kind of a natural, a lawful unfolding of what is arising now based on conditions from the past, based on the conditions of also how we're meeting it in the moment. And so it's a, it's a, it's a lawfulness, it's a lawful unfolding and there's, there's, uh, there's the, 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 the universe operates by laws too there's the, law, there's the laws of, of our own minds and hearts which the Buddha calls the law of karma um, which is how we are in a given situation so if we are responding, reacting with greed, aversion, delusion then we will tend to create more greed, aversion and delusion not only in ourselves but in the world leading us in that cycle of greed, aversion, and delusion, and suffering. And if we respond in the world with non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, with wisdom, with compassion, with love, then we are creating the conditions for more of that in the world. And so that's, that's, that's uh, kind of an expression of the law of karma, that our choices now impact what unfolds in the future. What has happened in the past has impacted the unfolding of now, especially the law of karma, especially in relationship to how greed, aversion, delusion are manifesting, how non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion are coming into play. But there's other. There are other laws too. Other laws of the, of nature. You know the laws of, of the way the planet works. The laws of uh, how weather and um, uh, genetics work. Well, the universe is governed by laws, and the laws of the universe interact with the laws of people, and we have what we're, what's going on in the world. <laughs> And so recognizing that the conditions that have happened have already happened. What's here in this moment is here. To me, equanimity is a kind of a deep acknowledgement of that truth. It's an, exa- an acknowledgment of the truth that this is what is here right now. It is not. And so here, here uh, you know, I want to come back and revisit some of the words I used earlier, like acceptance. You know, acceptance is a word that's often used with respect to equanimity. But to me, the word uh, acceptance can lead to a kind of a misunderstanding. Because it is acceptance of the fact that things have come to be as they are. It's like, if we're not accepting that this is what's here, if we're not accepting that this has come to be, then we're not in alignment with reality. We're denying reality in a way. And so, uh, to me, equanimity is not about agreeing or disagreeing with what is here. And sometimes the word acceptance implies agreement. And so I want to uh, shake that idea up. To me, acceptance does not imply agreement. It means that we recognize fully that conditions have created this. Non-equanimity about that might might look something like um, you know trying. It's like some in some ways we try to change the past. We want, we want to go back and try to figure out. How could, how could things be different? How, could, how can I revise the past? And so our energy gets bound up with that resistance to, this is what's here. Our energy gets bound up with that resistance. And um, we're not so, the, the energy is not so available to respond to what's here. With a with a heart of wisdom and compassion, a heart of non-harming. So sometimes the the, the just looking at equanimity as being a, a deep acknowledgement and recognition that the conditions that have been here have resulted in this. Not using energy right now to try to change or fix the past, but also not simply agreeing necessarily or disagreeing with what's here, looking at what's here and looking at what is a skillful response to what is here. Uh, If we're resisting something, if we're not equanimous about what has come to be, if we're resisting what has come to be, it's like we're using up our energy, fighting the truth of what has come to be. With equanimity, one of the beauties of equanimity, is not that we, at at that point of being equanimous about what is, is not that we simply sit there and say, Oh, things as they are. But that the energy that's caught up with the greed, the aversion, the confusion around what is, is released. And is able now to respond with wisdom. With compassion. With intelligence. With ethical conduct. So equanimity is also not necessarily about non-action. That's also a kind of a misunderstanding that we might have about the word equanimity. We think of, if I'm non-reactive, if I'm not reactive to something, why would I do anything? That's our, that's our usual thinking, our usual state of of mind, in fact, because I think partly because we have been motivated so much or we've learned in life that things get done when we, when we want things or want to get rid of things and it, you know, that, that, that uh, action happens so much out of that, those energies, we cannot fathom other possibilities for that energy to motivate, for energy to motivate we, it's, so from the perspective of greed and aversion in particular, confusion often just results in kind of a spinning, maybe results in kind of chaotic action. Greed and aversion often result in very directed, specific action. And those, those, when we're in the place of greed and aversion, and acting out of greed and aversion, uh, it's like those states can't fathom any other way to respond to the world. They can't fathom that action would arise if, if greed and aversion were not there. The, 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 the mentality of those states is these are the source of action. And so it takes a little bit of trust to explore what it might mean to not act out of greed, aversion, and delusion and see what might arise in response to the world, when the heart is not fighting with reality as it is? What seems to happen to the heart when it is open and connected to the world? This is another another place. Uh, so the, the, when the heart is open and connected to the world and not resisting the truth of what is, when that heart meets struggle and suffering in the world, it wants to respond out of compassion, a different motivation. Not a motivation out of greed or aversion, but a a motivation out of connection. And the deep understanding of the experience of suffering. When we understand in our own hearts and minds what suffering is like, and how the forces of greed, aversion, and delusion uh, contribute to that suffering. Our hearts break when we see suffering happening in the world. And and there's a movement towards action to alleviate that suffering that doesn't come from greed or aversion, that doesn't have to come from greed or aversion. And so there's a little bit of trust there that... Uh, there is another place that motivates action than greed, aversion, and delusion. And we explore this. We can begin to explore this internally in our own hearts and minds, looking at our own reactivity, our own what's messiness arising in our own hearts and minds, and begin to see how when we open to that messiness, that confusion, the reactivity in our own hearts and minds, when we neither repress it or act on it, something else happens. Something else happens that begins to transform that energy into something more beautiful. So another piece, um, as I was talking about, when we are really connected to the world and the heart is open, that there's that natural response of of resp- of of compassion if there's suffering. There's also a natural response of delight and joy when there is a beauty happening in the world. That heart of equanimity is so responsive. It responds both to joy and sorrow. It responds with love and connection to what is. Not out of fear or confusion or aversion or desire to hold on, but out of connection. And so that takes connection. That's a piece of of equanimity. Sometimes people think of, of equanimity as being stepped back like being removed from experience and this is another thing I think equanimity is not equanimity really connects with what is here there's something in um, the, 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 the Buddha's teaching about equanimity the, equ- the quote equanimity uh, the uh, Equanimity in air quotes, uh, um, of not knowing. That when we don't have information or when we are um, um, confused or misperceiving a situation, perhaps, there can be a sense of equanimity, a sense of, yeah, I'm okay with this. This is not a problem. But that, that sometimes that equanimity is based on not having full information or not being connected. It's like we, we are stepped back. It's like, oh yeah, I can, I can be okay with that. But it's because we have removed ourselves from it or separated ourselves from it in a, with a little bit of aversion perhaps. And so that also is not equanimity. And so connection, be, being aware, I think this is a, this is a piece that um, I think it's useful for us to recognize. There's a there's kind of a, a balance we need to make around being aware um, in, our own, in our own hearts and minds when we explore meeting challenging circumstances. We explore meeting a strong reactivity. Sometimes our mindfulness isn't quite strong enough to meet that. And we need to learn skills to step back for a little while. We learn, need to learn skills to, to, to not try being right with it. Sometimes when we explore being right with a very reactive pattern, the, the, the momentum of the reactivity is stronger than our capacity to be mindful and so whew, we get sucked into the rabbit hole of that reactivity. And so we learn skills and strategies for stepping aside, stepping back, putting attention on something else, not spacing out. I, I often encourage people to use mindful distraction if there's a, a kind of a strong reactivity in that way. Find something that you can be with that lets you step aside from that difficulty. Not repressing or denying that that difficulty is there. But also not giving attention to it. So it's, it is a stepping back. At times that's necessary for us. But we shouldn't mistake that for equanimity. We, we need to use it as a strategy to help us cultivate more skill, more capacity to meet it another time or to meet it later and so likewise in our world you know, so I'm finding all these interesting parallels about what hap- is happening inside of us and how we meet and respond to that and then what's happening in the world and how to meet and respond to that so this is one of those you know the, the there's sometimes stuff happening in the world that is overwhelming for us and we, I think we need, we need to be aware of what's going on in the world. It's useful. It's really useful for us to know what is happening, so that we are not in a state of denial or just like, okay, I can, I can, I can get through this time if I just like hunker down and like ignore what's going on out there. Uh, that is not equanimity. Um, it's a kind of a denial, uh, uh, a pushing away, and so it's 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 useful to know or to recognize when that's the movement of, yeah, I just do not want to engage, and um, just kind of want to take care of me or something, so that so that you know that we're we're kind of taking a step back in that for that from that reason or for that perspective, or when. At times, we may recognize we get overwhelmed and, and uh, see that we perhaps need to step back to take care of our own um, hearts and minds to cultivate the capacity of non-reactivity so that we can step back in more skillfully, so that we can respond in the world more skillfully. So that's a different reason or a different motivation for stepping back it's one that will uh, help to cultivate more balance so that we can re-engage and that's that's the movement that's the reason we step back in our own practice internally we step back because it's, it's not possible to meet it skillfully in this moment so we step back to cultivate some skill and so likewise in the world there may be times when uh Information is overwhelming. You know, I'm I, 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 at this point. I'm taking. I'm taking in the news in kind of small doses right now. Reading things. Look, checking into how I am with it, and um, it, resting and feeling this, the the pain of what's happening, the sorrow, the the seeing the divisiveness, the hatred, the. Uh, confusion that's out there it, it's, it's heartbreaking and I have some capacity to meet that and yet I also know it's helpful to step back and uh, center and balance so taking it in smaller doses but the purpose of that isn't to avoid it's all. It's to create. It's more to create the capacity to strengthen, strengthen the heart too. And and also to, to perhaps at times I think that stepping back from what's happening in the world can be a place of reflection. It's like there's so much perhaps out there um, to respond to. How do we pick? <laughs> how do we pick what we're going to do? How do we? How do we decide? And so it can be useful to step back and reflect on what we've heard and and feel how does our heart how is our heart moved to action how is our heart moved to compassionate response, wise response So the skill of knowing how much we can take in at a given time and yet really helpful to cultivate awareness of what's happening out there. It's like we want to know the greed, aversion, and delusion that are happening inside our own hearts and minds so that they aren't like operating under the covers and, and, you know, messing with us. I think likewise we want to know what's happening out there. We want to be mindful, be aware of the state of the world. And so stepping in and stepping back as we need to to balance reconnecting so that we stay, we stay aware. I had this, this image the other day of uh, thinking about, thinking about, uh, you know, how we are in our own hearts and minds. You know, we, we, we fluctuate in our capacity to meet our struggles in our own practice. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's more balance of mind. There's more equanimity. There's more of that mindfulness that can meet what's happening in the moment and and uh, respond skillfully. Sometimes there's less, and yet we keep trying. We keep exploring that possibility. And so you know, the the more the more we incline our minds in that direction, the more we um, support this. Capacity to be mindful, capacity to be aware, uh, even especially, of the difficulty. The, the more that capacity strengthens. And so I had this image of like, it's, it's almost like moments of mindfulness in our hearts and minds is, is what strengthens that capacity. You know, moments arising, you know, just moment to Moment. Sometimes there's more moments of mindfulness, sometimes less moments of mindfulness. And I was thinking that maybe in the broader culture we can think of each of us individually who are interested in exploring this kind of connection to understanding experience from balance and responding not with greed aversion and delusion but with this other perspective of compassion and wisdom and and non-harming of ethics and that each person might be like a moment of mindfulness each person in the world might be like the more the more of us in this world that are that are willing to really engage with what's happening in the world from this perspective the more the more it will happen greed, aversion, and delusion are contagious, but so is mindfulness. So is compassion. So is kindness. The more, the more moments of mindfulness as they are expressed in our beings, I think that will serve, that will serve the world. And so this, um, There's a few more things I have in my notes to speak to. Maybe I'll just try, I'll try two more pieces and and then open it up for conversation. So, um, there are going to be times, absolutely, uh, when we are asked to act and we are not equanimous. How, what do we do? How do we respond? What, what, do, we, what do we ground ourselves in there? And the Buddhist teachings offer us some perspectives on this. He suggests connecting to an intention. The intention of wisdom. Wise intention. And explicitly in the teaching of the Eightfold Path, wise intention is understood to be Uh, non-cruelty non-harming and non-desire so I I think in some ways we can we can explore the the teaching in particular non-cruelty and non-harming as as grounds for behavior, non-desire in terms of not uh, not um, I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, when we are when we know that we are not balanced, it's really helpful to ground our action in non-harm in ethics to ground our action in non-hatred non-cruelty even if we're feeling angry and confused we can sometimes or we might be able to connect to this uh, sense of non-harming of not fighting hatred with hatred Harm with harm, cruelty with cruelty. A statement from the Dhammapada: Hatred never ceases through hatred. Through non-hatred alone does it end. And so, I think we can use ethics as a as a real. Mm, it's like uh, it's like our our support. We can kind of hang on to that when we are not feeling so balanced. Let that be a guide for us. And this can be particularly challenging, I think, um, when we're exploring and looking at um, what does it mean to meet actions from others that create harm? If uh, somebody else is doing something that's creating harm in the world, how does equanimity come into play there? You know, it's, it's again, it's very, it's, it's, it's uh, we have some misconceptions about what equanimity might mean there. It's like we, we would think, potentially think there that if we have balance of mind or, or, or uh, equanimity around what, what somebody else is doing, that it means we don't care, that it means we're... Uh, um, heartless or something like that and again uh, it's not about agreeing with what's happening it's a recognition again you know conditions conditions coming into play that person that group of people creating harm in the world their conditions in their life have put them together in such a way that they are behaving in unethical ways. There are conditions for that. As we look into our own hearts and minds and we see how greed, aversion, and delusion function in our own hearts and minds, we develop both compassion and humility about others. I think uh, I've told this story before but it was so striking to me and it's, it sticks out and comes back at moments like this when I'm giving talks like this. Um, I was observing my mind around anger on uh, anger towards a particular person and as I was watching this anger I saw the mind think wish that that person be harmed in some way, and seeing that in that moment, the mind was clear enough and mindful enough to recognize you know that that, that, that wish that wish for some other being to be harmed was present in this heart. It was humbling to see that, and it made made me recognize that the, the, the flash that occurred to me in that moment was, this is where war comes from. And so, that state of mind is not separate from me. It's, it arises in this being. And it is through mindfulness that I have the capacity to transform it and not act out of it. And so, looking internally in that way, we can begin to recognize, you know, if I I hadn't been practicing mindfulness, I wouldn't have seen that movement of mind. I doubt that I would have gone out and actively harmed that person. But it would have cemented a groove of anger and hatred in my own mind. and so we can we can recognize that people who are perpetrating harm there are conditions in their life and they are actually suffering there is suffering happening there they may not feel it directly because their mind is creating future thoughts or future ideas about how this thing is going to benefit them this action is going to benefit them or benefit somebody else or, so it's, it's like the, the, the mind in doing this kind of action can create a future in which one is residing and that future perhaps feels good and so you miss at the moment you miss the pain of causing harm We miss the pain of causing harm to another being And so, recognizing that conditionality in ourselves helps us to have a sense of compassion for others doing that same thing. And yet, we we don't in that movement, you know, in our own hearts and minds. Again, seeing seeing something arise like uh, hatred in my heart. Mindfulness can it's like creates the conditions to hold me accountable for it. When i 'm mindful of that, the mind is th- there's a way in which the heart is, is held accountable for that state and and wants to wants to understand it, wants to not act out of it. The delicate balance there is not repressing it, not not like you know shoving it under the covers and, f- and, and fighting it down, but also not so it's neither repressing nor expressing but opening to, working with, feeling, holding ourselves accountable for it through not acting on it. And so likewise in the world, we can have compassion for people who are creating and perpetrating harm and yet hold them accountable. I think we need to hold each other accountable. And yet not hold each other accountable through perpetrating more harm <laughs> so that's, a, that's, a, that's an edge for us it's an edge for us wow there's a lot to talk about here uh, I think I'll stop though <laughs> um, see what you guys want to say any comments? thoughts. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I was thinking about this uh, wish of harming other people and uh, it occurred to me that maybe this wish is based on a wrong view. The wrong view that in doing so, such an action, it might release Relief, bring some relief about the suffering we may, we may um, experience. Yes. By this uh, other person or these other actions. Yes. And that's a wrong view. Because in doing such an action, it just perpetrates the, the, the suffering.
0: It, it perpetrates the, the mind of the, the aversion, the mind of the um, reactivity Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a way, there's a funny way, though, that part of this is, this, this, th- what you're saying is, is um, th- about wrong view here. It is a huge part of how this cycle is perpetrated. And it's a very deep kind of wrong view. You know, if we think about, uh, you know, how, how we respond the world and what we've learned about the world and, and it's, it's the wrong view the wrong view is partly embedded in not understanding that there's another way towards that release, towards that freedom towards the ease or towards the release from the suffering so you know the, the as you say you know, we believe that this is the way towards the release from the suffering if I, if I harm that person and so we don't understand from that perspective we don't understand there might be another way so, you know, there's this um, uh, kind of model that the Buddha talks about for how suffering comes to be, how wrong view comes to be, actually, um, when we think about it, how ignorance comes to be. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so just to start with the kind of bareness of our human experience, just to begin, you know, we have, we have experience and something's pleasant, something's unpleasant, and... You know, we contact with our bodies and minds, and there's pleasant experience and unpleasant experience, and and we tend to like the pleasant and not like the unpleasant, and because of that, we tend to move towards the pleasant, move away from the unpleasant, tend to get what we want, get rid of what we don't want. That's, that's what we've learned. That's what greed and aversion, the activity of greed and aversion. Get what I want, get rid of what I don't want. And that get rid of what I don't want is is a form of harm the other person. And so, so we act on that. And in the moment when, when we act out of that energy, we... Um, uh, we, re- we recognize in the moment of doing that, of either getting what I want or getting rid of what I don't want, there's a little hit of pleasantness. I've got the thing. I've gotten rid of the thing. A sense of relief, a feeling of control, perhaps. Those, those are the kind of the experiences that come into play there. I've I figured it out. I've got this thing. I've gotten rid of this thing. There's a moment of the, of the uh, feeling of release from suffering because something unpleasant has ended. Either the unpleasantness of being uh, separated from something we want or the unpleasantness of being joined with something we don't want. So that, that unpleasantness has shifted and we have some release from that unpleasantness shifting. Because of that, and also, actually, so there's, there's a little bit of that, you know, the pleasantness that comes from the um, uh, the getting the thing or getting rid of the thing. There's also some pleasantness that comes from the, f- the feeling of, of the wanting or the aversion, which also has a... It actually has an unpleasant feeling. Whether it's wanting or aversion, that also is unpleasant. And so we want to move away from that feeling of unpleasantness associated with wanting and aversion. So there's not only the unpleasantness of being separated from what we want. There's the unpleasantness of the wanting what we want. There's not only the unpleasantness of being joined with something that we don't want. There's the unpleasantness of the aversion of the not wanting. And so in the moment when we either get what we want or get rid of what we don't want through acting on greed or aversion, we get a double hit of pleasant. We get a hit of pleasant of having the thing and having the wanting go away. We have a double hit of getting rid of the thing, not being joined with what we don't like, and having the aversion go away. That, That double hit of pleasant Gives us the idea, constructs the idea in a way, begins to give us the, the notion that uh, this is the way to have these moments of pleasantness. This is how I can navigate my life. And so that over and over has happened. Over and over we've, we've acted in that way and we've seen the feeling of control, the feeling of getting rid of the uh, aversion or wanting having the thing, getting rid of the thing. We've had that happen over and over and over and over. And because of that cycle, we have learned to believe, and this is the wrong view, that acting on aversion, acting on greed is the only way, is the way out. And so that, you're right, that is the wrong view. And as we act on it, it re-cements that pattern, to believe, yeah, this is the only way. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tenacious pattern. And it takes hearing something like, you know, uh, one of the first instructions I got was, try not acting on your anger, but just watching it instead. I'm like, what the heck good is that going to do? How on earth is that going to do anything? But very quickly, I saw the benefit of not acting on the anger. Because over the course of the next few weeks and months of doing that, I saw the pattern of anger get less and less strong in my mind. And it was no longer quite so... Uh, it was, I was no longer in a rage. So, so the, you know, it's a different way of approaching it. Not, not acting on the anger, but letting it release... It's a whole different approach, and we begin to learn right for you. Did you want to say something more?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, I was thinking uh, about what you said about resisting. When we resist to something that is uh, unpleasant, we kind of bring some fuel to, to what is, which in a certain way contributes to this thing that will, sti- will still uh, exist. It does. We. By resisting we prevent it to just unfold and fall in the impermanence of things.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's a that's a paradox for us at times that that understand that's exactly what I what I was exploring or looking at when I, I said to myself, how on earth can it be helpful to just be mindful of anger? you know it's like it's non-resistance to anger it's non-acting on anger my my thinking was that being mindful of anger would just create the conditions to keep it going but it creates completely different conditions that does allow it to unfold
1: and being equanimous allows in a certain way to to for wisdom to arise yes and when when wisdom arises it allows compassionate to, to be... Compassionate action. To be, to be existed.
0: Yes. 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 Absolutely. And that's the paradox, too. Again, you know, we think that if we are a witness to what's happening... Internally, we can see this more. If we are a witness to what's happening, um, uh, wisdom arises internally that allows a freedom to happen, that allows a, a, a releasing of that energy. Um, that wisdom results in an action internally that we aren't doing so much. It's not our... our uh, it's, it's interesting. It, 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 it has a quality of activity, but it's not me doing that activity. And then in the world, if we can really become a quantumist and, and really understand what's happening, I think there will be wisdom that can arise. It's like the resistance, you're right, the, wi- the resistance is in the way of that wisdom. I said something earlier about when we're resisting uh, the truth, it's binding up the energy in greed, aversion, and delusion. And as we stop resisting the truth, there's, there's energy freed up that can more meet things with wisdom. And wisdom can arise. Yeah, thank you. Other comments.
2: So so I heard some of this two days ago. Excuse me. And uh, I have also in the last well, yesterday. I got in my email yet another request for money to help relieve the suffering in Aleppo. And I found myself being aversive to this request. As my wife and I have already decided, we've already given our charitable contribution (laughs) for this year, for this tax year, which one could question whether I should be limited by the tax code, but um, and I do question that. But I didn't want to be aversive to the suffering that I perceive is going on in Aleppo as well as in other places. But I also couldn't act on that particular mode. I felt I sh- couldn't act on that particular mode of of relieving or helping relieve suffering, yep. And I don't know what to do with that. So I think the, the thing that feelings. occurred
0: to me in in hearing this is, it sounds to me like uh, you know, um, uh, there's what's hap- what may be happening there is something along the lines of. Um, uh, Having a belief that the person, the sender of this email, the organization sending this email, uh, is um, uh, um, you know essentially it, it, that that that, and and even though it's an email and it's anonymous, but somehow that I'm going to be perceived as not caring if I don't donate. And so there's, the, there's that side, and, and, and the belief of, um, uh, you know, so kind of, you know, kind of self, almost a self-justification of, no, I really, I do care, I know I care, but, but I, 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 can't, I can't do this one, and, and so there's, that, there's a conflict there. Um, and, uh, I mean, first of all, this is, this is a big piece I didn't have a chance to look at, but I mean, in talk about, but one of the main ways to cultivate equanimity is to notice where we're not equanimous. To actually begin, you know, explore. Okay, so equanimity is not arising here. You're, you're feeling aversion, you're feeling reaction. What is the aversion there? You know what is, Actually, what is the aversion? It's not. It's. 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 It. It maybe is some to, to aversion to the suffering in Aleppo. It maybe is some to being asked again for money. Uh, uh,
2: the latter is much closer. Yeah,
0: and so so understanding exactly where the reactivity is coming from. You know, and and as you make that exploration, you may begin to tease apart you know, feeling, feel into, as that, you read that message, it's like you're reminded of the suffering of Aleppo. It's like, ooh, the pain of that is there. And then the constriction around the request. So, you know, just feeling into that, you may begin to tease apart some of the the components of the reactivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, anytime there is suffering, anytime there's reactivity, there's something to learn Something to understand, and I, I, you know, I've talked about this a lot. This, this, you know, the conflict, the the collision that suffering is uh, between the desire for there to be safety, happiness, health, well being for ourselves, for others, for the world, and the truth of impermanent, unreliable, not self, and and those two collide, Mm -hmm. and and any time there's suffering, there is there is. the, the meeting of that collision gives us like information and gives us like the possibility of connecting to the threads that lead us back to those two beautiful things the the wish for love, the wish for safety, the wish for well being and the truth so so you know that the, the the looking at that suffering if we can hold it, it is like okay well. What, what's, what's happening here? And sometimes what's being believed, that question I dropped into the meditation, can be an interesting one to look at there. What am I believing right now that's connected to this aversion? You know, am I believing this person shouldn't be requesting money? Am I believing this person shouldn't be requesting money of me? Am I,
2: <laughs> I am believing that. And I'm, but, I'm, but more than that, I'm believing somehow... Delu- with delusion that my contribution would be crucial uh-huh. to relieving the suffering. And, uh-huh. I, of course, I know on some level that's not, you know, the little bit I could give or would not relieve what I perceive to be terrible suffering in Aleppo. And, and when I extrapolate that to what I perceive is going on in this country, and the suffering that's taking place, and the concern about my my own future suffering. Um, I, I think I get a little over the top in in my perception of my ability to fix things. Okay, so 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 things, it's the overwhelm. To,
0: it's the overwhelm. There's a component of it that's the overwhelm of so much that I can't fix it all. Collapse, a kind of collapse around that.
2: I don't intend to collapse. No, but, but there, there is there, yeah, a, yeah, there's a there's kind a, a, of a, a sensation like
0: that. Yeah, and, and the aversion may come from that from that place. Um, so, yeah, exploring exploring that. And, you know, if you find, you know, in a place like that, if you're finding yourself kind of moving towards... Denial, moving towards separation. Um, see if there's some place in the whole mess of it that you can connect to, like sending some wish for well-being to the people in Aleppo. You know that it's your heart really. Can, you know that you can connect to that that piece of it in that moment, so that it it helps um, that. That movement towards don't want to know this, don't want to be with this, to to you know. So there's pieces of this that are creating that reactivity, and and some of it may have to do with um, feeling stretched financially or mm-hmm. feeling like what I can do can't make a difference and hopelessness. And so there's a lot of that, and yet really connecting to the the heart of wow, there's a lot of suffering out there. Can I wish for Peace in Aleppo, and and not uh, not separate from that, not not deny that 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 suffering is happening. Yeah. So really, mindfulness, um, the willingness to meet our non equanimity, is how we cultivate equanimity. Yeah. Thank you. And it's time to stop. So.